Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up with tonight's final view, a lot of uproar we've been talking about as of late with UND President Mark Kennedy, what he was going to pay his chief of staff. People are upset about that, but wait until you hear what the chief of staff at NDSU makes. We'll talk about that in tonight's final view. I want to start tonight with the political theater that happened earlier today with the Michael Cohn testimony in front of the House Oversight Committee. Now, some are suggesting that Michael Cohn's testimony, the most damaging, the most damaging testimony against the president since Watergate. You can obviously be the judge of that. But a couple of things I want to touch on first. What does it tell you that the Democrats call a liar as their star witness to testify on the exact same day that President Trump is in Vietnam dealing with North Korea, doing what he can to try to obviously generate some peace, some form of world peace. I think most people would say the president's overseas, he's working against a foe, shameful they're going to hold this kind of a hearing on that exact same day. Trust me, that was no accident. Then what does it tell you they're going to have as their star witness? And this is, I think, the first time this has ever happened in the history of Congress. Their star witness is a guy that is there who actually is there and going to jail in just a couple months because he lied to the exact body that he's now testifying in front of Ginn. That is their first called star witness for the Democrats. I'm hoping what you're starting to see here is the fact when they're going to do it on the same day as Vietnam, their star witness is a guy who's going to prison for lying to Congress. I'm hoping shows you that the Democrats right now, two things. One, they are freaking out about 2020. They know President Trump's polling is going up with black Americans, Hispanics, women in the suburbs. They are freaking out, wondering what are we going to do to beat this guy in 2020? And that's part of what the circus was today. I mean, Michael Cohn using words like racist and conman, he, he's not writing that. You got Lanny Davis writing that stuff for him. But they do that, obviously, because it's going to be, you know, great for the news cycles, goes out there in the media. And what today really was, was the first step to start to begin the drip, drip, drip process so that they can go, go, you know what? Maybe we should start impeachment proceedings. Maybe the right thing for us to do here in the House is to begin these impeachment proceedings so essentially, eventually, they can have that impeachment proceeding hung around President Trump's neck for the 2020 campaign. I've been saying this for a long time. The Mueller report isn't really what it's about as far as indictments. That is, it's all about putting something around President Trump's neck. So in 2020, the Democrats can go out and go, do you really want to elect a guy that's going through impeachment proceedings right now? Of course not. That will be their play. Just watch and you will see. Now, Congressman Kelly Armstrong, he actually was in the hearing today. You can see him here. Uh, he's on the oversight committee. He crushed it. He absolutely crushed it. Someone was asking Michael Cohn about recordings between Mr. Cohn and his client. Let me remind you, his client, now President Donald Trump. Here's some of what she had to say. Uh, let's go to your tape. She said there's probably 100 tapes. Voice recordings. Voice recordings. And will you make them available to the committee? If you would really like them. Let me remind you, he's an attorney. So she's saying, hey, can we get all these voice recordings put to this committee? Now, I'm sure if you've watched these hearings before, most people, they've got their questions all typed out by their assistants, and they basically just read these questions uh, to the witnesses. But not Congressman Kelly Armstrong. He, on the fly, took what you saw right there and was like, wait a second, 
This is a big deal and came at Mr. Cohn like this. They, one person can record the other one without it being illegal? Correct. But you also were a member of the New York Bar? I was, yes. How would you rate uh, recording clients in the ethical realm of being a lawyer? It's, it's not illegal. and I I'm not asking if it's illegal. I'm asking if it's ethical. I, I, don't, I don't know. That okay. We'd have to leave and the judgment of the Bar Association. So, well, I think every other lawyer in here knows exactly where it is and the ethical standard. Um, when you said you had 100 tapes, were any of those tapes of other clients? Yes. And it, I think this is amazing. I, I really do. Did any of them waive privilege? No. So five minutes ago, in the middle of our hearing on oversight, you just immediately responded that you would, re, you would hand over tapes to this committee without any of your previous clients waiving privilege. I'm not the only one in possession of those documents. Those documents are in the hands I, of all whoever of Whoever else is in already. charge of those documents is not my concern. My concern is I know lawyers that would go to jail before they would violate attorney-client privilege, and in a manner of a second, you just said, absolutely, I will turn those over. Just trying to cooperate, sir. <laughs> At the expense of clients who have never waived privilege. They're already in the hands, sir, of all of the agencies, as was I didn't ask people. What law enforcement phone. determines to do is something and what you determine to do is something. Client privilege and attorney trust accounts are about the two most sacred things that you can ever do in your entire career as a lawyer. Ongoing My point is, in a matter of a second, one second, you took no absolutely no calculation of your role as those clients counselor the role that plays in privacy and in the role that plays in a solemn vow you took when you passed the bar when you signed onto the bar until recently were a member of the bar and you just immediately said if it if it helps me out in the today in front of tv yes absolutely mr chairman you can have that <laughs> wow Hey, if you ever need an attorney i think you know who to call the only thing missing that clip was at the end if congressman armstrong would just went Boop, mic drop. I mean, that's the only thing missing from there. So earlier today, I had a chance to sit down and visit with Congressman Armstrong, obviously about the, this hearing, the testimony, as well as President Trump declaring a national emergency. Is it constitutional or not? Here's Congressman Armstrong. Congressman Armstrong, welcome back to Point of View. Outstanding job in the uh, cone testimony. At least now I know if I ever need a lawyer. I know who to call. Let's start here, sir. Uh, not many, not everybody got to watch this entire testimony. Clearly, it's very long. The most important thing for the people watching right now they should take away from today's testimony, in your opinion, is what? That the first hearing the Democrats have in their oversight reform is a guy that has spent the last eight years in a constant state of deception and lying to the people closest to him, whether it's his business associates, his banks, his accountants, his family. Uh, this was not an isolated incident of bad judgment. He was in a constant stream of lies that it gets to be the point of how could you ever possibly believe anything he says is the truth. So I think that's a valid point, but then my question on the flip side, if you will, is then why would President Trump hire him for 10 years? If he's got that bad a judgment, he's got that much deception, why hire the guy for 10 years? 
Yeah, I think that's a fair question to ask the president. I mean, from everything we saw today, I mean, he minimizes his own involvement in anything that doesn't directly benefit him and continues to do it moving forward. I, I, there's going to be some lawyers in the Southern District of New York that are going to be very interested in his testimony today because it is very contradictory to his sentencing, his sentencing statement and the statements given by, the, uh, by, that, by that federal court when he uh, pled guilty. What do you mean specifically? Well, I mean, he, when you plead guilty in court in order to get the benefit of a sentence, particularly in federal court, now I will say this one is particularly unique for a lot of different reasons, but acceptance of responsibility is one of the uh, key things. And there are five counts of um, or tax evasion and, and several counts of bank fraud, and today he tried to mi minimize his own involvement and actually several times in the hearing today essentially said the sentencing court got it wrong. Very interesting. Now, you bring up the Southern District of New York. The other piece that uh, happened to show up in today's testimony is there was a part that he said, uh, I've been instructed not to talk about that. And that was after the raid on Cohn's, you know, uh, papers, business or whatnot, suggesting that there's an ongoing investigation that may implicate Donald Trump. Um, what's your takeaway from that? Yeah, I don't have any idea as to what that is implicating. I think there are, I mean, there is an ongoing investigation, and you can tell by the sentencing, again, I'm going to go back to the sentencing memo, the special counsel's office is really the reason that this all occurred at such an expedited rate in federal court. So we know that. I mean, we know there's an ongoing investigation with the special counsel's office. What that entails, I assume we will all know in the very near future. But taking uh, Michael Cohen's word for anything that's going on in that investigation or anything else is not something that I'm overly comfortable with. So taking his word is one thing but then seeing actual documentation I'm assuming as an attorney is something much different and so uh, he has pleaded guilty to violating campaign finance laws he showed today the wire transfer to Stormy Daniels he showed a, a check from Donald Trump's personal checks from 2017 uh, do you think President Trump could be implicated or charged with criminal charges for breaking campaign finance laws uh, I, I'm not entirely sure about how that works. I will point out that the, this smoking gun the Democrats are talking about is a check from an employer to his employee for uh, $35,000. There's no memo on the check as to what it is for, and it continues to work for. This is, I, I mean, we're retreading old information in a new setting. I mean, after you get through the pomp and circumstance that was today's hearing, there's not a lot of new information that has come out that we haven't, I mean, that hasn't been alleged in the past um, towards this president, essentially since he started running for office. But so you're suggesting that that $35,000 check may not have anything to do with the payment to Stormy Daniels. I'm suggesting what we heard today in the hearing has, I mean, there, all of his most salacious comments today, every single one of them have very little corroboration in the ones that they provide evidence. Uh, I've done this for a long time in my private life. It is a check. It doesn't, I mean, the fact that there is a check written to Donald Trump to Michael Cohen does not imply, I mean, the only thing saying what that check is for is Michael Cohen's testimony at this point. Well, we do have tapes. I mean, he even admitted and you call him out on it. He's got a hundred different tapes. We've heard the tape of him talking to President Trump saying, hey, we've got to write a check here. We've and those information and that stuff all is going to come out in, in Robert okay. Mueller's report, which is another reason why I think all of these types of things today. This was about circus. This was about politics. This was about bashing the president. And you can tell from the fact that they put away. And I, I just want to point out that these aren't lies he told just six years ago, five years ago. 
Uh, one of the things that I got so fired up about today is, I mean, he just immediately violated every ethical standard you would ever have as a lawyer, and he didn't bat an eye at it. He just absolutely said yes immediately. And you could tell because in later questioning, he, he got into a situation where he tried to walk it back. But, I mean, that is unethical conduct that didn't happen in 2012. It happened today in the hearing. Let me ask you this. He suggested that President Trump never said, hey, Michael, change your testimony, but it was sort of a inferred conversation, if you will. Is there any implication of obstruction of justice for that, where you're inferring someone to go and lie in testimony to Congress under oath? Well, not under what, I mean, first of all, it, again, consider the source, but even today, <laughs> I mean, he said, he, he on those types of answers, he was pretty adamant that he was never told to do that. So, well, you're right. He said, I was never told that specifically. It was inferred President Trump talks in code. Let me ask you this. Lanny Davis uh, worked with President Clinton in the past. That's now Cohn's uh, counselor, counsel. Um, you're an attorney. Have you ever done litigation or worked for a client for free? Um, actually, I, if you talk to my wife and some of the, my partners and people that work for me, I probably took too many cases for free on criminal cases, but nothing near the scope of this. So that, that's my question. So, okay, so you have some, maybe this is a fair assessment of, uh, from Cohen on Lanny, but I was pretty stunned today when, when Cohen's like, yeah, I'm not paying Lanny and I don't ever intend to pay Lanny. What, what, what's behind this, do you think, from the standpoint that Lanny Davis, other than publicity, is doing all this for free? Well, I mean, Lanny Davis has been a lifelong political operative uh, <laughs> in the Democratic Party and is incredibly close to the Clintons. I think we know what the motivation is. I think the bigger question would be, and this goes to Michael Cohen's judgment again, why would you ever have a lawyer represent you that you are not sure what their true motivations are? I mean, this. although we know how Michael Lohan treats the lawyer-client relationship, so maybe he's pretty comfortable in that setting. Was today the beginning of sort of the drop in the bucket, the drip drip, if you will, to begin impeachment proceedings. I mean, did you see today's testimony as, okay, this is the first block, first steps, so that now we've got a reason to begin the impeachment process? Do I think there's a reason to begin at this point? Not Absolutely you. not. Do I think there are Democrats who think that is the, that, that, that is their so goal? There is going to be a faction of the Democratic Party that is going to want to continue to do these things. Um, I think their goal is twofold. One, to go on a witch hunt for anything they can to move towards impeachment. And also, I mean, let's be honest, I don't care if it's in a congressional hearing or on the street outside the Capitol. These are all based on a 2020 presidential race as well. Thank you. And you make my next uh, question kind of what I was going to ask you about. What, what's your takeaway from the standpoint that you've got President Trump uh, in Vietnam having a second summit with the uh, Chairman Kim, and then the Democrats have this hearing with, I think, the first time in U.S. congressional history that they bring back their star witness, someone who actually lied to that body, to Congress, and that's their star witness, the same day the testimony when President Trump is overseas trying to generate world peace. Your take on this? Yeah, I, I don't think the I don't think the timing is coincidental, Chris. <laughs> and I also think it's important to note a couple other things. You know, we the, Michael Cohen has canceled hearings in the past. Um, they've allowed him to do this. We received his testimony at uh, 10:30 last night. That's that's beyond the scope of the rules. And more importantly, I think in this particular case, he should have had it prepared two weeks ago when he was supposed to um, appear in front of the committee. This is all calculated by Cohen and Lanny Davis, and the Democrats and the Oversight Committee are letting, them, are letting these guys roll over them. Two more questions, sir. Again, you are an attorney. Do you think President Trump's declaration of a national, national emergency is constitutional and will hold up once it goes through the courts? 
I do, um, and I think actually I voted against the resolution yesterday, and I would point out that there was a way to write that resolution that would have made it very difficult for a lot of members of Congress, but since essentially 1970, Congress has taken 470 different actions that have allowed more autonomy to the president in these situations, and I do think it's a bigger, broader conversation that we should pull back um, more of our congressional authority, but I think he's—I think he has legal authority to do it. And we had a member, uh, a Republican member, who has been no, um, has never been afraid to criticize the president. That's actually been deployed with the Air National Guard on the border for the last two weeks. And in all honesty, talking to him and hearing about his experience was really one of the things that made me um, con made me vote against that resolution. So, with that being said, have you been down to the southern border yourself personally? I have I have not been down there. So let me ask you this: Do you do you believe that there is a national emergency at the southern border? Knowing that I think it was yesterday, the day before, 58 former national security advisors put out this 13-page document saying that hey, there is no emergency at the southern border. I think there's a national emergency at the southern border. I think the the seizures of fentanyl alone are doing this. And we get a lot of those comments, but everybody I've talked to who is either on the border or who has been, recently been to the border says, give us the tools we need and we can solve this problem. And yes, it's a national emergency. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, again, outstanding job today in that hearing, sir. We appreciate your time. I know you're super, super busy. And we'll see you hopefully Monday at the White House, my friend, with the Bison football team. I will be there. Yes, that's what I wanted to hear. Congressman Armstrong, thank you so much for the time, sir. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Chris. It's going to be exciting. Monday we will be live at the, well, at the White House, but we'll be live in D.C. as well for the show. Uh, we'd love to know your point of view. We heard there from Congressman Kelly Armstrong.